You are listening to ReachMD, XM233, the channel for medical professionals. The diagnosis of pancreatic cancer is usually a death sentence. Is there finally some reason for hope in this otherwise dismal disease? Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Lee Friedman, your host, and with me today is Dr. Joseph Herman, Assistant Professor of Radiation Oncology and Molecular Radiation Sciences at the Johns Hopkins University in Baltimore, also co-founder of the Multidisciplinary Pancreatic Cancer Clinic at Johns Hopkins. Uh, Thanks for being with us, Dr. Herman. Thank you for inviting me. This multidisciplinary pancreatic cancer clinic is really a unique thing. Can you give us a a thumbnail about some of the advantages it provides for our patients? Sure. I think the the biggest advantage is that at this time, there's a lot of controversy as to what is the best approach in terms of treating patients with pancreatic cancer. And what we hope to provide for each patient that comes into the clinic is an individualized approach. And what we try to take into account is not only the stage of their disease, but also their performance status, and then also sitting down and talking with the patient and their family members. And we really do encourage family members to come and then come to a final consensus after we have, again, we we do meet to, to make an official consensus so that there is an agreement between each discipline. But then again, we like to really sit down with the patient and then come up with a final consensus that really fits each specific patient. Good. And this is all done in the context of a single day's visit. Is that correct? Correct. How should we as uh, health professionals or patients themselves get in, in touch and get the ball rolling with your clinic? So probably the easiest way is if you go to Google and type in pancreatic cancer and Johns Hopkins, you'll come to the main webpage where there is a, a, you can click on the multidisciplinary pancreatic cancer clinic. And there's a, a site that's dedicated to the clinic that gives you all the information you need to know of how to come to the clinic or be part of the clinic and also how to contact us. Specifically, we can also be reached at 410-502-8000. And uh, Joanne Coleman is, is our clinical coordinator that's dedicated to the program itself. Wonderful. So one call or looking up on the website, as you said, and, and it gets this very impressive one-day full evaluation uh, rolling for the patients. Correct. I would imagine that if a tumor is resectable, surgery is still the mainstay of treatment. Yes. At this point, the only curative option for patients with pancreatic cancer is for them to undergo the Whipple procedure. And at Johns Hopkins, we have a number of surgeons that are essentially dedicated to just doing the Whipple procedure. And specifically, Dr. Cameron has done more Whipple procedures than anyone in the world. Uh, We also have a number of other young surgeons that have worked right alongside and trained with Dr. Cameron. And then there's also several other experienced surgeons that come regularly to the clinic. So essentially, we usually have five surgeons that are part of the, the daily consensus meeting. And they're the ones that will make the decision as to whether or not a patient is truly resectable. And the other thing that's really a benefit of the clinic is Dr. Fishman, who's really uh, one of the world-renowned radiologists specializing in pancreatic cancer. He actually personally reviews each scan with us at the clinic and helps the surgeons uh, make a decision as to whether or not the tumor is truly resectable. And I imagine uh, with the very complicated Whipple, like many other procedures, as an institution has more volume, uh, their quality and success rate probably is higher. Yes, it's clear that when you look at the number of cases that that an institution does, that their morbidity uh, and mortality uh, is much lower. And actually, if you go to our website, you can see that we have a a sort of an analysis of that showing that over the years, as the experience and and number of, of Whipples that have been done, that the outcome has continued to improve. If if a cancer, a pancreatic cancer, is found in the resectable stage, we go to the Whipple. What is done after that surgery, or what is available for patients who are not resectable at the time of diagnosis? 
Good question. Um, so first of all, to talk a little bit about patients that have uh, resectable disease or have had a Whipple procedure, it's currently very controversial as to what the next step would be. Uh, in Europe, actually, the standard of care is essentially to give chemotherapy alone. And there's a recent trial that came out in the New England Journal of Medicine that looked at giving six months of gemcitabine alone. And, and the outcome was favorable. Uh, and in some cases, chemotherapy alone would be considered the standard. However, here in the United States, we believe in, in treating with both chemotherapy and radiation. How that exactly is delivered and which with, with what uh, chemotherapeutic agents is, again, very controversial at this time. There was a recent trial that was published, the RTOG 9704, that showed a, a good outcome with gemcitabine initially followed by 5-FU-based radiation and then additional gemcitabine. And I, I would say probably at this time off of protocol, that's essentially the standard we do have a protocol here that actually utilizes uh, oral Zolota, which is a, a form of 5-FU, with uh, Terceva, which is a targeted therapy with radiation in the adjuvant setting. And, and this, this trial is currently open to accrual. It's actually a, a nice trial in a sense that all the medications for that treatment are, are orally derived as opposed to needing any injections at all mm -hmm. or any, any um, uh, infusions. We also, uh, off protocol, we tend to actually treat with gemcitabine-based therapy throughout the radiation treatment, and uh, we found that that's been very well tolerated with patients. For patients that have unresectable or what's called borderline resectable pancreatic cancer, I think the, the most important thing is that this decision, specifically whether or not a tumor is resectable or unresectable, that this decision be made by an experienced surgeon with an experienced radiologist. And there can be very differing opinions in terms of whether a tumor is, is truly resectable or not. And I think that's another benefit of the multidisciplinary clinic that Dr. Fishman, who has a lot of experience in, in reviewing pancreatic cases, and again, we have typically four to five surgeons that are present that we can collectively help determine whether or not we think the patient would be a good candidate for a Whipple procedure. If they're not resectable, the options include a national trial, uh, which actually includes an injection into the tumor uh, with a, uh, a special vector that is taken up into the tumor and then releases tumor necrosis factor alpha which is unique in a sense that it can help, the thought is that it can help actually uh, necrose the tumor from the inside out, and then perhaps it can help increase the likelihood of downstaging. You are listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, XM233, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Lee Friedman, and I'm speaking with Dr. Joseph Herman from the Johns Hopkins Multidisciplinary Pancreatic Cancer Clinic. Dr. Herman, I've uh, seen on, on the website that there are some uh, novel approaches being used. Do you know much about the vaccine and any endoscopic therapies? Specifically with the vaccine, uh, Dr. Leheru just recently presented the adjuvant uh, radiation results with the vaccine at, at ASCO uh, just last week. What we did is we actually compared the results of patients who got 5-FU-based radiation with or without vaccine. Now, it was not a randomized clinical trial. It was essentially a comparison to our standard of care database here at Johns Hopkins. And we found that there was essentially about a five-month improvement in the median survival. Now, it doesn't sound like a lot, but in pancreatic cancer, five months is actually quite an accomplishment. And, Absolutely. And I think the most important thing about vaccine therapy is that it, in general, is very tolerable for patients, as opposed to when we add in a number of different chemotherapeutic agents with radiation, using immunotherapy such as vaccine therapy is typically uh, has very low toxicity. And we hope that as we move, uh, we're, we're actually now looking at, at uh, expanding this trial into a, a multi-institutional trial 
to make sure that our results are, are can be applied to other institutions. And the vaccine itself is something that initiates or causes the body to elaborate an immune response against the tumor cells? Yeah, so essentially it's derived from several uh, pancreatic cell lines that are attenuated and then uh, we actually use a granulocyte macrophage uh, colony stimulating factors to upregulate the, the vaccine response, essentially um, delivering the vaccine to patients at different time intervals. We feel as though that we can hopefully elicit essentially a, a response to not only the, the tumor itself, maybe in cases where there's unresectable disease, but also um, that it can help prevent the spread of metastatic disease, which is one of the major problems actually following a resection. I also saw something referred to that I've never heard of before, 4D uh, CT and and also CT PET scanning. Uh, That's your your ballywick, right? Yeah, so I think, uh, you know, from a radiation perspective, we we are moving, uh, especially in cases where there's the tumor is unresectable. It's pretty well established now that that for unresectable disease that it makes sense to be able to treat the tumor plus a small margin. And if we're going to treat the tumor plus a small margin, I think it's imperative that we're confident that we're definitely going to not miss the tumor at all. And one way to do that is by when we scan the patient, we can actually essentially make a movie of the pancreatic tumor as the patient breathes. And what that allows us to do is is to be able to put a patient-specific margin around the tumor to make sure that each day that there's an adequate margin to make sure that each day that the patient's tumor is treated in full. What this does is it allows us to treat a smaller margin on the tumor itself, and then therefore we can give perhaps maybe higher dose chemotherapy or add different agents together and and therefore make uh, the treatment more tolerable for the patient and in essence overall result in a a better overall quality of life for the patient during treatment. And and so the fourth D there would be the time element with with the breathing. Again, it almost allows us to create a movie of the patient's tumor as they breathe and and watch the tumor and see how it, it, it expands. And we're also looking at how the tumor moves or changes throughout treatment and at the end of treatment. And we hope that this will also provide us a little bit more information about tumor response during treatment and after treatment. Very interesting. And have there been any advances in terms of diagnosis with different radiologic techniques? The other thing that's very important is that uh, we have, uh, with Dr. Fishman, he has a number of relationships that allow us to have access to some of the top technology that's, that's in radiology. And one is to be able to have a very thin-sliced, excellent quality CT scan. So during the multidisciplinary clinic at our consensus conference, Dr. Fishman is able to uh, look at a patient's tumor in multiple dimensions and then through a, a digitally reconstructed image, flip around the image and show us in several different directions exactly how much the tumor is involving the celiac axis or perhaps the superior mesenteric artery. And, and again, that's a very powerful tool to help us determine how to adequately stage patients and, again, lead them down the right path in terms of what their treatment should be. In addition to that, obviously, as we discussed before, too, uh, Mimi Canto has been using endoscopic ultrasound to be able to diagnose patients at an earlier stage. And and, uh, through the familial study, um, she's using endoscopic ultrasound to screen patients who may actually have precancerous stages of pancreatic cancer. Are there uh, sources for funding for this, or uh, are you kind of looking uh, for some more funding to expand this very unique program? 
Yeah, at this point, it actually is a joint effort. The coordinator is, is funded by all the different departments, which, as you can imagine, took quite a bit of coordination. But we're hoping that in the, in the future that, uh, that if there's a specific donor that would like to become part of the multidisciplinary clinic, uh, we'd be very welcome to working with anyone that would like to, to help assist so that we can help more patients in the future. I want to thank Dr. Joseph Herman, who has been our guest as we've been discussing some of the newer options in terms of treatment for pancreatic cancer. And then we also reviewed some of the very nice and important benefits of this very unique multidisciplinary pancreatic cancer clinic program at Johns Hopkins in Baltimore. Again, for medical providers and patients, this is a program where in one day, patient uh, has their records reviewed, has additional studies obtained, and gets a multidisciplinary opinion from surgeons, radiation oncologists, radiation specialists, pathologists, etc., and leaves after one day with a consensus opinion from some of the world leaders in this field. I'm Dr. Lee Friedman, and you've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, send your email to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.